it's Bilal Bakani at Bilal V87 on Twitter. And we've got an interesting go-home raw review ahead of Extreme Rules. And the headline is really going to be Paul Heyman needs to make some big changes to Raw after Extreme Rules. Because um, this was another show that was headlined by Shane uh, McMahon and Drew McIntyre in the main event against Roman Reigns and a mystery partner. Throughout the night, we saw Shane and Drew trying to recruit uh, Roman's partner because, of course, Shane McMahon uh, and Drew got to pick said partner. They started with the best garbage man in the world. Uh, they didn't end up going with him. The beer guy, who, uh, as part of the deal, would give them uh, ample suds for participating. They also looked into um, a janitor, and it appeared they were going to go with the janitor as they offered to pay him $5,000. Uh, and they made the mistake of encouraging him to wear a mask, which it turns out allowed Cedric Alexander to sneak in there and turn this into a pretty amazing match uh, and some great acting here by Cedric. We also got a very useless backstage segment with Roman kind of just being like, well, it is what it is, and that accomplished nothing. At the end of the day, uh, McIntyre ended up hitting Cedric with a Claymore click, a kick before we knew who he was, and Shane got the pin. Look, this wasn't bad, but as a, a main event promo on Raw ahead of a pay-per-view... You know, and with all due respect to The Undertaker, he doesn't have half the athletic ability of Cedric Alexander. He's got a little aura, but that all goes away pretty much after your entrance. So, yeah, there's some aura in the ring, but this this was just weak. Uh, it was okay once you got into it, but did not feel strong. And in a related note, The Miz teamed with The Usos earlier in the show against The Revival and Elias. And despite the fact Elias and The Revival are so close to Shane... Uh, Elias actually walked away from this match, which is very odd. And this was a two out of three falls match. So, of course, there was a damn commercial break after the first fall. We, and I know USA has suggested things like the US, or I should say the 24-7 title. There's no question in hell it was their idea to do this thing. Because I really can't imagine WWE thought this was a good idea. This has to have come on a network level from Fox or, or US, uh, USA. The, on the network level to try to do this um, and it's just so painfully obvious and you have such a deep roster just do a different match I don't need to see a slap together six-man tag two out of three falls like this just felt completely unnecessary it would have been fine as a one-off 10-minute match but man it was unnecessary everything with Beth uh, I was gonna say Beth with Beck Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins uh, was good they had an elimination tag with Andrade and Selena Vega, which was a very nice use of the wild card rule, which does seem to be slowly settling down. Selena was taken out first. Of course, somehow right before the commercial break, Lacey Evans appeared in the crowd, which was weird. Why? She wouldn't just be there from the start of the match. Was she late to be a pest? Very weird. Uh, Becky, of course... Had to go after her, and then they went to commercial break. And then uh, Seth, of course, beat Andrade. And then he was attacked by Baron. Paul Heyman came out, which again led to a commercial break. You see what where my problem is here. Uh, when we came back, we heard from Heyman that Lesnar would basically be, uh, quote, according to Heyman, a guarantee. Except that Heyman said when he presents spoilers, he's been uh, accurate up until, I believe it was WrestleMania 30, the problem becomes that Heyman himself was like, well, if I was ever going to screw with you, it's now. Which, 
as just at this point, just lazy, stupid writing. And uh, I, I want Heyman, he could elevate a lot of everything else we're going to talk about, but it doesn't mean he's figured everything out here with Brock. Um, the Brock briefcase thing works as Brock appearing and teasing people and creating legitimate situations. I, I don't think it really works with Heyman just creating nonsense that is just doesn't seem likely to begin with he's he makes it sound good but it really amounts to nothing but just uh a waste of time and when you have such again a deep roster i don't know if you really need these um i think Heyman should be spending this time to better fix some things backstage uh like baron and lacy who cut some backstage promo which was like ripped right out of captain marvel which essentially was like oh seth and becky love each other their emotions will be their downfall we're all business Yep, I've heard that before. We also heard, uh, and that was also the plot of Dark Phoenix as well, in case you saw that terrible movie. Um, the acting was about the same between uh, Sophie Turner and Lacey Evans uh, backstage. Corey Graves, for some reason, uh, pushed himself a commentary to do a backstage interview later with Seth and Becky where he tried to push this narrative of them disappointing each other. Becky put him in his place. Seth had a good little line. That's what she said. And, you know, this was okay. Man, it does not feel like a main event feud. I don't know if it's Baron and Lacey as underwhelming opponents. Um, this is just really, really messy. It does, It's not very strong. Uh, and it's really kind of cheapens both belts. Uh, the fact that you have unproven contenders corbin who couldn't cash in money in the bank lacy who's a premature call-up who really hasn't amounted to anything but these title matches she's lost is not a great combination and of course baron also blamed for raw's failures so just really feels weak uh and i really do hope and i'm fairly certain seth and becky will win and we'll move to something else uh we'll probably even move fairly far away from this couple dynamic what was a lot better was AJ Styles. He sort of refused to do a backstage interview, as did uh, the rest of the Bullet Club, uh, Gallows and Anderson. And that was great. Uh, the Street Profits uh, showed up to... I'll come back to that, actually. I didn't mean to put that there. That's a typo. And uh, we later had Ricochet in the ring cutting a promo that was marginally better than what we've heard from him so far. He still has a lot of work to do. Uh, Gallows thoroughly dominated Ricochet in a one-on-one match. And then Ricochet got some dinky, rinky roll-up. And, of course, the Bullet Club beat him up after. Uh, there was no save, despite the fact, literally a week ago, we saw Ricochet talking to Hawkins and Ryder, who are doing nothing else, before he was interrupted by Gallows and Anderson and this whole thing started. So why Hawkins and Ryder, whether they would be successful or not, would not come out and make the save, I have no idea. I guess they're saving that for the pay-per-view or later, which is just, I'm rolling my eyes as I say that. And then things got even stupider. Uh, Bailey and Nikki Cross had a beat-the-clock challenge to determine a stipulation. And for whatever reason, they had an interview, which could, could have been good, except in this interview, nobody asked either person what stipulation they would pick if they won. And I get it. You don't want to uh, give it away, but we also will never know what stipulation Bailey would have picked. And Nikki's was incredibly obvious. It was a two-on-one match. And, of course, she got it because Bailey went first, and that's never a good omen. Uh, she went 4-32 with Sarah Logan, 
and Dana Brooke was up against Nikki next right away. Uh, of course, there was a commercial break between that. Uh, Nikki crushed her in a minute 51 early. Uh, Dana was... I, there was a weird situation where she was just running out of the ring to run up the clock. Not really good face tactics, and actually something I would have expected Sarah Logan to do more of. Um, and then in the same match, Brooke goes for this amazing flip over and it's just like uh, do we know who this character is dana brooke like i understand logan and brooke have been feuding on main event but by now she sh brooke should be pushed as a legitimate face uh who wants to honorably beat nikki not someone who would want to play spoiler like that was just a, a breach of character uh which was a problem after the match uh nikki said she wanted to go face to face with bailey to tell her basically what her stipulation was, which made no sense because she was already face-to-face. -face. Just one was in the ring and was out of the ring. So that was a dumb line. Uh, Nikki had some issues with the promo too. Finally, she spit it out. It was a handicap match, which is not an extreme rule stipulation at all. So that was stupid. Uh, Bailey, who then just essentially attacked her. Um, and there was some line about how Bailey doesn't have any friends as the camera awkwardly cut away from a Sasha Banks sign that somebody had in the crowd. Um maybe Sasha gets a save somewhere in here. Maybe they do something with this, but it just feels like some slapdash way to keep Alexa in the main event picture. And hopefully it leads to Nikki kind of emerging as a facer heel, uh, who is a champion contender, championship level contender. Um, and also why you would have Logan and Brooke as the fodder when you have Natalia and Naomi available to you, not doing anything else is unusual to me uh not to mention carmella's running around you could have thrown her in here uh as a way to mess with our truth uh who we'll get to in a second uh i quickly want to touch on mike and maria canales uh sort of mike came in with this apology which maria kind of uh sort of turned on him when he didn't seem to realize she wanted ice cream and pickles later when he brought her the ice cream and pickles she was upset because she thought he, he thought she was fat um and of course, she eventually, and then we, we could all see this coming from a mile away, um, sort of implement, or we just sort of suggested that Canalis is not the father. This was okay. I, I don't know how much leverage or how much you could really push a pregnant woman in a, in a program with a guy who's barely on the roster. Um, we'll see. They're, they're going to try. Um, it could work, but this is pretty rough. Uh, by the way, no Bray Wyatt, which is a problem. Uh, hopefully there's some sort of hidden uh, animals uh, or, you know, firehouse fun friends somewhere that I didn't see. Uh, over to the 24-7 title. A great set of social media videos with Drake Maverick taking his wife all over Florida from Universal um, to wherever. And just great gags, putting the title over her face in photos, um, sort of referring to the title as their, like, kind of third wheel masterful stuff by drake maverick and his wife uh we eventually cut to the two of the backstage at drake trying to negotiate the situation with his wife this was all great uh, eventually he got chased down uh we also later had r-truth and carmella looking for drake uh he returned to his wife he ran into r-truth he got away uh and that sort of segued sort of into the bailey thing bailey just sort of laughing at the whole thing and that worked um really good stuff uh, I would have put this higher, but I think we were just sort of taking it for granted at this point, and that's fine. Uh, no Way Jose, who used to be part of this um, scene, if you will, of the 24-7 title, 
<clears throat> he was feuding with Cesaro, or continuing his feud with Cesaro, but he lost. So I don't know how much of a feud this is, but it's okay. Uh, the Street Profits cut some great promos, which encapsulated basically ads for Extreme Rules, uh, their own comedy, and their own picks. And these guys are a lot of fun. Uh, I'd love more of them in any capacity. They're great. Uh, it's a little weird. They're NXT Tag Team Champions and they're doing this. Um, but I have no problem with it. They're great. Um, I don't know who else could be doing this right now as well as they're doing it. So kudos to the Street Profits. Uh, you guys are great. I love everything you do. Uh, let's be friends. We also found out Braun Strowman would face Bobby Lashley in a last man standing match. And in a way, I guess just to save time, when Rey Mysterio issued his open challenge, Bobby Lashley accepted. Um, I guess he was going to, uh, after sort of beating Ray quite handily, he was going to uh, recreate the stage-breaking moment, but some referees apparently stopped him for once that worked. Uh, so he just threw Ray at the referees. Cut a pretty short, uh, succinct promo about crushing Lashley. It it worked. It's not it's not Leo rushed with Lashley, but it's it's something. We also, in what is easily the low light of all of Monday Night Raw tonight, we saw the Viking Raiders take on Colin and Devin Justin, who are barely brothers, bunch of jobbers. Uh, they won the match. I, I think they won the match. I don't even know. I assume they won the match. Uh, I know they won the match. Drake ran in, uh, and R-Truth was behind him. The Viking Raiders weren't too happy. They crushed a couple of the goobers who came out for the 24-7 title. Um, and that's about as bad as it gets. But not a great Raw going into Extreme Rules. Um, you know, there's some good moments in the Roman Reigns-Shane thing. It kind of built to a nice little bit. The whole Miz and Usos versus the Revival and Elias was not strong. It seemed like a waste of time. The stuff with Becky and Seth going up against Corbin and Evans is just passable. Uh, the AJ stuff with Ricochet is quite good. The women's title stuff is interesting, but it was poorly executed. The Mike and Maria Canellas stuff has potential. The 24-7 title stuff was good. Uh, the Street Profits are good. But other than that, uh, not a whole lot. Like, nothing was really great. There's some good on this show. There's some bad. But there's a lot of stuff that's not essentially that great. I really hope Paul Heyman gets to start completely fresh on the Monday after Extreme Rules. And we see a very different Monday Night Raw. And hopefully the same is coming for SmackDown as well. I'll be back tomorrow for a complete look at SmackDown, probably 205 Live. Then on Wednesday, I'll have for you a look at NXT and NXT UK. I'll definitely be checking out uh, the Evolve show on Saturday. I'm also going to be providing you some more interviews from Chinlock Wrestling, including Spencer Rice, Bret Hart, uh, many, many more, Hornswoggle. Uh, there's about a dozen, maybe half a dozen of those still in the tank. Um, so I'll be rolling those out basically every day. I'm not doing a review. I've also got a studio session um, that I'll be doing in Toronto with someone. So I'll have that up for you guys on Saturday. And, of course, an Extreme Rules recap. So it's going to be a great weekend of WWE Podcasts. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes and, uh, of course, on Spotify. And I really do uh, thank you all for all the support. Uh, we are now the 15th most popular podcast over the last week on TalkShoe. So we're doing a really good job. Uh, your guys' support is amazing. I think we're sitting at, you know, we're approaching 5,000 listeners in the first couple of weeks of doing this. Um, I, I, I couldn't be happier uh, with, with all the support you guys are giving me. Um, and I'm just going to keep grinding it out for you guys every day uh, until somebody pays me to do something better, which is not going to be anytime soon. Uh, thank you very much. 
Peace out. Follow me up below V87 on Twitter.